Are you ready, Christine? I'm ready. Are you ready, Ma? I'm ready to be back. We are back. And we are going to... Oh! Oh! Oh, my gosh! <laughs> what? We she, she are going her. to listen to the story listen now. Listen to the story now. <laughs> and this story is taking us to Las Vegas, which is one of the reasons why we're so out of practice, because these schmoes were in Las Vegas together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Buckle in. That some of them were here with me, and that was kind of nice, too. Okay, we are going to 1995, the 1995 oh, wow. movie, Casino. In 1970, La- Las Vegas... <clears throat> May I start again? <laughs> yes. In 1970, Las Vegas, a New York bookie, New York bookie and his pal turn a casino into an empire as they compete to win over a fast living socialite as they compete to win oh was that it's about the mob in vegas <laughs> yeah i don't even know if they're from new york city because they kept talking about back home was chicago okay but this came from the blurb okay that so uh, you're right well and an important fact oh. that i learned that mm-hmm. las vegas was an open city for the mom meaning that it wasn't like the new york guys couldn't be like this is our town and the chicago guys getting to be like this is our town oh okay. everyone was able to operate there nice there the pie was big enough for everyone well yeah, i don't know if that desert. was the case but they <laughs> Nobody wanted to not be in it. Right. Right. Oh, nice. Right. Well done. So, um, the particulars. Casino came out November 22nd, 1995. Ooh, Thanksgiving movie. This seems it, like a yes. great movie to go to see on Thanksgiving. I know. I don't That's think we saw it. In... Oh, my God. Yes. I, I, yeah. I don't think that we went to see this in the theater. I don't think we did. Um, it's God, produced. Why? I don't know. It would be interesting. There's probably another movie that we went to see. Or um, might not have been in town. No, we were in town for Thanksgiving '95. Probably had basketball tournaments though. That was big over Thanksgiving break. Um, it's produced by Barbara Defina, who also did The Color of Money, Goodfellas, You Can Count on Me, and Nerd Alert. It was married to Martin Scorsese between 1985 and 1991. And after their marriage ended, they continued to work together. Oh, it's, wow. Mm-hmm, it's directed by Martin Scorsese, who also did Cape Fear, The Color of Money, Taxi Driver, The Last Waltz, and the upcoming... Killers of the Flower Moon. I never finished that book to pass it on to you guys, but I'm I'm very interested in the movie. I am too. <clears throat> the screenplay is by Martin Scorsese and Nicholas Pileggi. It's based on Nicholas Pileggi's nonfiction book, Casino, Colin, Love and Honor in Las Vegas. Man, I gotta read it. I know. Yeah, you do. 
Nicholas Pileggi, Pileggi was a crime reporter. He, the film Goodfellas is based on his book, Wise Guy, Colin, Life in, the Mafia, in a Mafia Family. He also wrote The Irishman and the upcoming film called Wise Guys. Hmm. It's edited by Thelma Shoemaker, who also did The Color of Money, Cape Fear, Raging Bull, and Nerd Alert. Remember, she was born in Algiers, which was then a part of French Algeria, mm-hmm. since we did a lot of, about that in cash. And she didn't live in the U.S. until she was 15 in 1955, and she found America to be very bizarre. She was politically inclined and opinionated against the Vietnam War, and she was for the civil rights movement. She passed the State Department exams. (laughs) It's Mac in the background. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Let me try to turn this down and see if I can hear this much. He's just, he's just, he's just, he's getting old. He's, he's been old, getting older. And so she passed the State Department exams, but she failed the final test when it was made known her distaste for the South African policy of apartheid. So keep that in mind. Like wrap your mind around that. She wants to go to the State Department. She wants to do the State Department things. And the final part of her exam, she fails because in the United States, they did not like that she was against the apartheid in South Africa. But the United States is not a racist country. So this stance didn't sit well with those administering the test, and and she failed. And thank goodness, because now we got Thelma Shoemaker one of the greatest film editors of all time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But but that's just a wild thing to, to consider. The soundtrack, well, it's just a bunch of bangers. It is. Yeah. It is indeed. I mean, Fleetwood Mac, Hoagie Carmichael, the Staple Sisters, Dean Martin, Bach, like Moody Rolling Blues. Stones. Yeah, so many. Um, the director of photography is Robert Richardson, who also did JFK, which that made sense because I watched JFK not too long ago. And this guy, Robert Richardson, he definitely had an affinity for taking a I forget what the term is. Ooh, shame on me. But that that just bright white light, like that interrogation light mm-hmm. that popped up in a bunch of scenes throughout here where it was just like way overblown. And I'm just like, what's going on here? This looks like JFK. And then I read I'm like, oh, ah, the guy, he did JFK. He also did A Few Good Men, both Kill Bill films, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, good. Starring Robert De Niro as Sam Ace Rothstein. This is the eighth collaboration between Martin Scorsese and Robert De Niro. Um, We've seen De Niro. We've done a bunch of his films. Yeah, this is the eighth film that they made together. They, they like working together. I don't um, see the other seven. This is good enough for me. <laughs> oh, you have seen a bunch of the other seven. <laughs> <laughs> or so you well, told us. <laughs> uh, we did Taxi Driver. 
the deer hunter which was a different film but this oh, is just yeah. <laughs> but yeah. the, the deer hunter wasn't a Scor- scorsese film oh okay but taxi driver was cape fear was uh-huh. um and then de niro was also in you know godfather part two he co-founded with jane rosenthal the tribeca film festival in 2002 uh-huh. I remember when that was like a, came out. Now it's just one of the uh, old time old guard film festivals, a prestigious film festival. Right. We have Sharon Stone as Ginger McKenna. She was in Total Recall, Basic Instinct, and The Quick and the Dead. We have Joe Pesci as Nikki Santoro, who he was also in Raging Bull, Home Alone, Goodfellas, and My mm. Cousin Vinny. James Woods as oh, Lester hello. Diamond. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> James Woods as Lester Diamond. He was in The Way We Were, Ghosts of Mississippi, Any Given Sunday. And Nerd Alert, according to Wikipedia, he says that he owes his acting career to the stage manager at the theater company of Boston. And that man's name Tim Affleck. Yes, father of Ben and Casey Affleck. Affleck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we have Don Rickles as Billy Sherbert. He was in Run Silent, Run Deep, Kelly's Heroes. He's best known probably as being a Vegas casino insult comic. And he was a peripheral member of the Rat Pack. Very peripheral. Mm-hmm. But Don Rickles, comedians love Don Rickles. He was just the insult comic. Yes, he just, he was just the the comics comic. Um, I forgot to write this down, but I'll say it here: when he got beat up and he rolls over in this film, I laughed so hard every time I saw it. Just the way he rolls over, I'm like, look at that Don Rickles. You can't turn off the comedy of the man. <laughs> we have. Kevin Pollock as Philip Green. He was also in A Few Good Men, The Usual Suspects, Grumpy Old Men, and Ricochet, which is Man, a... remember Grumpy Old Men. I don't know if I saw Grumpy Old Men. Oh. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> a classic. <laughs> oh, I was just like, no, I've been around too many of them. I'm good, thanks. <laughs> Married one, so. Uh, we have Dick Smothers. He played a, a senator. He's the younger half of the Smothers brothers. Yeah. Uh, Tom was the older Smothers, or still is the older Smothers brothers. So Tom played acoustic guitar and Dick played upright bass. And their whole comedy shtick was that they would argue. And Tom would always say, Mom always liked you best. Um. I was surprised because I would hear about the Smothers Brothers and see pictures of them. And I'm like, okay, they just seem like dorky and nerdy. But apparently the Smothers Brothers were quite controversial. Quite controversial. Yeah. They So um, Tom played slow and Dick played the straight man. It was like superior. And in real life, their father died as a prisoner of war in Japan during World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, so they went on to do this comedy act and they ended up having a television show called the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour, which ran on CBS from 1967 to 1969, 
So mark those years. They had three specific targets that they would go after relentlessly. They would go after the president, the Vietnam War, which makes sense because, I mean, their dad did die as a POW in World War II. So I could see how that could color what you thought of war, especially the Vietnam War. And the final one they went all in on was racism. Mm -hmm. And apparently their show was canceled because... They wanted the CBS wanted their show to, to them to like have their show done 10 days before it aired so that the censors could go in and cut it all up. And they wanted no part of that. And there's a 2000. My notes say 2002, but it might be 2022. You know, these Aaron notes over here that called a uh, documentary called Smothered, which is about that and their cancellation. Oh, I'll so, have to watch it because I, I loved it. Yeah, I yeah. I had no idea. I always would see them and like, oh, these like nerds. Mm, look at these nerdlingers. And apparently they were <laughs> the, the words that were coming out of their mouth. Like, audiences were like, you clean cut gentlemen should not be saying such things about this country. Mm-hmm. And I think they're going back on tour like this year. So... <laughs> They're probably like, we tried to warn you guys. <laughs> and here we are again. Unbelievable. You thought we were the buffoons. Yeah. <laughs> we have Frank Vincent, who you may recognize from The Sopranos. He, Frank Vincent in this film played Frank Marino. But I saw him and I was like, that's Phil Leotardo from The Sopranos. You can't mistake that hair. Yeah. Uh-huh. And those eyebrows, that's what always gets to me. That hairline and those eyebrows. And he was also in Raging Bull and Goodfellas. We have Bill Allison as John Nance. He was in Ocean's Eleven. And he was the former casino owner that they hired as a consultant for Casino. The film. We have Catherine Scorsese as Piscano's mother. Catherine is the mother of the director. Uh, I enjoyed her scenes. She was also in Goodfellas, Taxi Driver, and Cape Fear. And finally, we have Frankie Avalon as himself. Frankie Avalon mm-hmm. was a teen idol in the late 50s, early 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't he sing the lead song of Grease? I remember his... Grease uh, is the word. Is the, the, Frankie the, Avalon? I think so, yeah. He was Ooh. also in many beach party films. Beach Party. Bingo. Yeah, all of those. Mm-hmm. And he competed in 2021, Dancing with the Stars. And those are your particulars. Hmm. Well, the movie starts in 1983. When a voiceover of Robert De Niro says, when you love someone, you got to trust them. There's no other way. I've got to give them the key to everything that's yours. Otherwise, what's the point? And for a while, I believe that's the kind of love I had. But to no avail. She told him. Uh, at which point he gets in his, I said caddy, but it's not a caddy. It's a special, it's a car. And turns the key in the ignition and boom. We then rewind a decade, maybe, and meet Ace, Robert De Niro, 
and his street guy pal, Nikki, who were given the biggest casino in Las Vegas to run. Money is coming in and out. Ace looks out for the bosses as Nikki looks out for Ace. Then Ginger comes on the scene. What could go wrong? Could go wrong. So much. Um, POC, I, I didn't do a count. Was, was there anything other than what in background? Was there even anybody in the background? I counted two. So there's the nanny that comes in and takes the daughter away in one scene. Oh, yeah. And, oh. and then there's a woman that's sitting next to Ace, De Niro's yes. character. And I thought, like, I was like, oh, my gosh, is that a young Beyonce? And I was like, oh, 95. But is it? And it, it, it I don't think it is, but... Because I was looking at her, I was like, ah, but just a, be- a beautiful, attractive young lady. And the way that the lighting is, I couldn't tell. So I put it at two-ish. And then, like, even in the background and stuff, I didn't really see that much, which I'll go over and cast. Right. I have some cast if we were there. I think. We- and we have arrived. We have arrived. Um. So I was re-listening to uh, there is a podcast called Mobbed Up that is put on by it's like they partnered with the Mob Museum in Vegas and some other things and there is now a season two but season one talks a lot about um, the real life pieces of this film oh real life characters. Um, and they like a lot about Frank Culotta and Sp- what's his name? I'll get back to you on that. That's not where we're going. Um, so one of the things they talked about, so the mob museum is in the old courthouse building. So where a lot of like the trials took place for taking the mob down and their whole thing is like telling just history they try not to be biased by they they don't want it to be like glamorizing the mob but um or the opposite so it's just straight up facts it's a really cool museum we went to i want to go back it's the only museum i want to go back to let's go back in october put it on the besides the world war ii museum that we didn't ever get to finish because spirit canceled our flight um (laughs) so one of the guys with the mob who helped like form the mob museum, he was being, I think it was him that was being interviewed on the podcast. And he was like, basically that they were just talking about organized crime, like, like it's organized crime, right? That's what mm-hmm. the mob is. And so he was like, well, then do we talk about, well, one of the biggest problems with organized crime is that the people doing it don't keep notes. Mm-hmm. Um, she's like, well, it's, it's hard to research and it's hard to know what's real or false. Um, but he said that at the site of the mob museum on the, at the courthouse, the KKK lynched a man. Mm. But I don't think, like I tried to find any, I mean, I, I just heard this part today. So I tried to find anything about it. I couldn't, I'm sh- I don't doubt that that is true. 
Um, but so anyway, I started looking up the history of uh, <clears throat> black people in Las Vegas because that is a big portion I did of. Too. Oh, did you read the PBS article? That's exactly uh, what I read. Okay, great. Well, great. Um, African Americans in Las Vegas is the title. And um, it starts out talking about in the 50s and 60s, there was an economic boom in Las Vegas. And this is when um, the casinos and tourism was getting popular. Uh, it was bringing in $200 million in profits each year. And the strip was try proclaiming itself the entertainment capital of the country. I wouldn't disagree. Um, but so African-Americans made up a small portion of the Las Vegas population since the town's funding until the outbreak of World War II. Uh, and then the basic magnesium incorporated plant began operating in 1943. So people came to Las Vegas all around the country in search of employment. And by 1944, Las Vegas was home to more than 3,000 African-Americans, up from just 178 not wow. thousand, just one hundred and seventy-eight in nineteen forty-one. Wow! Talk about white. Uh, well, no, not white. It was a lot of um, indigenous Indians, American Indians that lived there. Which mm -hmm. I did not. I hope you looked into that because I didn't get to look into that. Oh, I did. Continue. I'll find okay. it. That's okay. Uh, so. By 1955, the city was home to more than 15,000 African-Americans. And of course, they were forced to live in segregation in an area that the city called the West Side. So it was, it lay behind, this article says it lay behind a quote, cement curtain barrier across the railroad tracks from Fremont Street. Oh. Uh, you know, the town hadn't changed much since it opened up and it was a stark contrast to the glamorous resorts of the Strip. It had neither running water nor working sewage lines nor paved streets. Um, but it still had a town with its own churches and schools and a middle-class community where people took care of each other. And they lived pretty well because of the wages that they were paid on the strip, but it was just, this is where they were forced to live. Um, and obviously along with that, the jobs that they had on the strip were mostly the back of house jobs in the casinos. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure not the jobs where they were able to skim money in the banking room, but that was oh, all they were allowed to do. Yeah. Hell no. That's why yeah. they're so few. That's why I, this is a, my point is like, this is TD is basically telling us why the cast of this is like the people of color. And this is right. basically, they couldn't even get the come up in the illegal way. Um, so in addition, casinos, uh, ban African-Americans from gambling, attending shows and staying in their establishments. However, they didn't mind if they performed the shows and mm -hmm. obviously like these were the entertainers like that was with all the new resorts that were opening in order to be the best you had to get the best entertainers on opening night it wasn't like now where like you have different acts playing every weekend like that was your person that performed all the time mm -hmm. um so acts like nat king cole lena horn sammy davis jr um, so they would let them come and perform and then they would be ushered out right away and they weren't even staying in the strip. They had to stay at, you know, well, I guess some of them would let them stay there, but they still had to pay. 
I think is what it said. I remember. I don't. I don't know if they were. I thought that they had to. To they had to go. They have to leave through the kitchen, and then they had to go to these motels or hotels oh, that were yeah. on the outskirts. And oh. those prices, because the people who own those, they, you know, they economics. There. Yeah, supply and demand. So mm-hmm. they were more, those places for them to stay, which was crappier and cheaper, like cheaper, you know, not money-wise, but just, you know. Building uh, materials. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's actually like four times the price of yeah. what it would cost to stay on the strip. But because of segregation. Because there was nothing to stay on the strip those days. And did you, um, Kenny, did you mention how, like, on the west side that they didn't have, um, that it was in the late, by the late 50s, the time that we're talking about, how it was 10 square blocks? And it had and they no. they didn't have water, running water. Yeah. And yeah. There was no running water. Oh, wow. No running, working sewage lines, no mm-hmm. paved streets. But, you know, black people want to do what black people do and still got a community, churches, their own schools. And looking out after everybody mm-hmm. in the community. And they had a quote from Sammy Davis Jr. who said, In Vegas, for 20 minutes, our skin had no color. Then the second we stepped off the stage, we were colored again. The other acts could gamble or sit in the lounge and have a drink, but we had to leave through the kitchen with the garbage. So eventually, they got, they got sick of this shit and opened um, the Moulin Rouge Hotel and Casino. Sounds like a fun time to me. Uh, was open on the southern border of the west side of Las Vegas. And partial ownership by boxer Joe Lewis. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was built to accommodate African-Americans who had been banned from the strip resorts. So in, a, in addition to being the first racially integrated hotel and casino, uh, it also allowed them another place to work and well-paying jobs such as managing and dealing. So not as, you know, not in the back of house. So then they started, these acts would do their acts on the strip and then go and perform at the Moulin Rouge late at night. Um, so eventually the Moulin Rouge did end up going bankrupt. But it, these- went, wait, it opened in May, 1955. And by December, 1955, it declared bankruptcy. Oh, yeah. wow. Um, however, then these entertainers decided to kind of go, basically go on strike and say that they weren't going to perform anymore on the strip unless, um, you know, they were allowed to do things afterwards and it, they took segregation away. So obviously that didn't go over easily. It wasn't until March 25th, 1960, um, that NAACP members met with Las Vegas's mayor and important businessmen. That, I don't know who those businessmen are. That's all <laughs> the information I have. Um, but man. yeah, the businessmen um, and the black people worked together at an agreement that lifted all Jim Crow restrictions and desegregated the city. It, it you know, yeah, desegregated the city. So they in could gamble. And, yeah. And that hotel, like Moulin Rouge, like they had started working on that in December 1955. Wow. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was Michael Green, he was a history professor. He said that the four reasons that the Moulin Rouge went under was because of bad management, bad location, bad timing, and bad luck. But I would venture to oh, say yeah. I that think the real reason that it went reason. under 
Yeah, it was cast. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you're trying to, to do this? Um, And, yeah, it was the city was desegregated, but... I think it, Michael Green is the one who was talking about the KKK also. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It would be another 10 more years before black people were allowed to live outside of the West Side. So think about that. The Before the town, when the town was segregated and you had the, I mean, black people were behind, working behind the house, basically making the city run, doing all the, mm-hmm. remember when we watched the original Oceans 11 and Sammy mm-hmm. Davis Jr. was a tra- truck drive, uh, trash driver, all those mm-hmm. things behind the scenes. They're, they're the ones that are propping up this but you know can't be seen to give white people the illusion that they didn't exist much like this movie you're watching it you don't see any black people but they're the ones that are behind the scenes you know keeping everything afloat going and moving but making like pretty good money considering other places and this is a you know yeah take into account the great migration and all of that so you're having making money going back to the west side where there are no running you know running water, there's no working sewage lines or anything like that, but having nice middle income things, but not being allowed to go outside of there to purchase homes, which would then, do you know how much wealth that those families would have accumulated had they been able to go outside of the West side and purchase land Mm -hmm. and buy homes that could then could still have now too. Yes, like that money over those these last, what, 50, 60, 70 years, how much money that that would have got. That's what gets referred to as generational wealth that was taken. So mm-hmm. that's that's not something that was from the to because people like to go into like, oh, slavery. And that was so long ago. No, we're talking about generational wealth that was stolen. In the 50s, in the 60s and prior to that, so. Oh, yeah. I had also, because there was a very small population of black people, but there's a black man. There's always been, even prior to World War II, a man named Ben Palmer, who, along with his sister and her husband, who was a white gentleman, they were the first settlers of Carson Valley. And by 1867, Mm. Ben Palmer was one of the most successful ranchers. And records show he was... He paid like he was he was doing so well. He was one of the heaviest taxpayers. Oh, wow. I, yeah. So I didn't let me do another Las Vegas movie. We'll go into to Ben Palmer because I think either his kid or his sister's kid was actually the first non-indigenous person born in Nevada, maybe. Oh, or wow. maybe like, yeah. So like their history goes back like black people's history in Nevada goes back and then it'll be interesting to see oh well what happened to old ben palmer's land and all of that um i looked up the original people who lived on that okay. land Good. and they were called the new woovie n-u-w-u-v-i or southern paiute peoples also known as new woo mm, oh. mm-hmm. so they Love yeah that. I mean, there are people there, so. I know. Yeah. I wanted to learn more about, I, I just didn't, which is bad on me. But because in the movie, when he was like, he'd hired. 
It just seems like they they made it seem like they were helping them out by giving them jobs, but I'm sure it was a lot not as nice. Oh yeah, and there yeah, was like when that was one a lot guy not nice going on. Yeah, when the the white guy come. <laughs> well, I have it in the battery heater post anyway. So yeah. Okay. Nerd alerts. Nerd alerts. So the movie came out in November 1955, like we discussed. 1995. 1995. There was a sarin gas attack in Tokyo in the Tokyo subway by a religious cult that killed 13 and injured 5,500 people. Hmm. And 11 of the principals in that activity were hanged in 2018. Oh, 2018. Dang. Hmm. Michael Jordan returned to the NBA in 1995. Good year mm. for our family. Mm. Bad year for Selena. She was murdered by the president oh, of her yeah. family. Yeah. That's tough. Man, that's so sad because she was gonna... Man, mm-hmm. what a talent. Damn. Um, Oklahoma City bombing killed 168 people. Mm. Yeah. I would like to point out that that man was against the United States government and would probably have been in January 6th taking down the government. Trying to overthrow the government. Mm -hmm. The Sony PlayStation was released. Wow. You know how we were just talking about getting the PlayStation 5. Wow. I have the I have the PS2, and that's when I stopped. That's when I tapped out of the old video we games. We use ours for all of our TV stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's a new Harry Potter game that... Uh-oh. Yeah. Is uh, Are we putting that on the Christmas list? Oh, I'm going to get it before Christmas. Oh. Good to know. Yeah. OJ Simpson was found not guilty... Yeah, my glove didn't fit. <laughs> there was the Million Man March in Washington D.C. This is oh, one that yes, I want to be. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. I don't. Me neither. I. I, I like <laughs> go. Y'all go ahead and stuff, but um, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna Sounds like a snake. <laughs> oh man! I'm just kidding. I honestly know. I've never heard of that. The Million Man March? I remember that. That was a big deal. Yeah. I mean, was it one of the organizers was uh, I believe it was Farrakhan. Which yeah. Is, uh, that's yeah. that man. There, there. He, he's. I do not agree with his take on Jewish people. I will just say that. <laughs> Nor do I. Because, ooh, and, and probably he doesn't look too kindly on my family. So, there, you know. I don't think he, he's lost anything over here. But I got to say, do enjoy a bean pie. So, <laughs> oh, I can't. 
kid, but I do like the be- bean pies. That I, I well, have. I was going to say, Teeny and I would be in a bar with our pussy hats on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would too. I'm not a man, so. Well, well I was just thinking East Coastness. I wasn't. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This one is interesting because I don't think, and I don't know enough about this, and and it is really um, impacting what's going on right now in a way that I think most Americans like myself are completely ignorant of. But in 1995, Israeli Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin was assassinated at a peace rally. And one of, I believe, one of his rivals was Benjamin Netanyahu. Because I think Rabin was much more of the, hey, he was, I I guess, a a leftist and more of a, no, we're not going to do what people did to us. We're we're going to make space for people. And other dude was like, no. And so right now, Israel is uh, really angry. The people are taking it to the streets because... My man is trying to basically take over their version of the Supreme Court. And wow. so people were like, no. And today, like the country ground to a halt because people were just like, no, not going to take it. So that's very interesting. You, yeah. And, and it's I mean, there's so much in that that needs to be unpacked. So yeah. I'm just saying, like, look into it. It's really and just because it's happening way over there doesn't mean that in time it's not good. I mean, things always happen over there, and then in a little while we see it happening over here. So yeah, um, the Bosnian War in 1995 is still going on. Bosnian Serb commanders are charged with genocide. This is part of the Yugoslav Wars between 1991 and 2001. In November, when this film Casino comes out, they have what's called the Dayton Agreement, and it's officially signed. (laughs) That's made me laugh. So they have the Dayton Agreement, which was officially signed in Paris in 1995. No, Dayton, Ohio. Well, that's what ended the Bosnian War, but they worked it all out at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base near Dayton. Dayton, Ohio. So I thought it was hilarious. They work this all out, and they're like, where are we going to sign it? And they look around, and they're like, <laughs> not, not here. here. <laughs> Which I'm like, Dayton needs to to take the Trenton phrase and be like, what Dayton makes, Paris takes, and just start <laughs> some beef. Like, because you know what, what, what was started in Dayton? Esther, Esther Price? Esther Price. So the no offense, Ma, but Esther Price might be my favorite Ohio export. <laughs> you know, I can't, I can't fault I mean, you for that. I can't. You're, you're, you're right there in, in second. But man, that Esther Price, as soon as that that sweet sweet chocolate hits my mouth, I'm like, oh, oh, huh. it's true. Mm. And finally, the first full-length computer animated feature film is released in 1995. You guys want to take a guess as to what that is? The Lion King. No, that was hand-drawn. The first full-length computer animated feature, 1995, Toy Story. That was going to be my guess. Yeah, sorry. You moved too slow. The films, (laughs) number five. 
Pocahontas. Number four, Goldeneye. Number three, Apollo 13. So this was the summer that my brother <laughs> fell asleep in the movie theater during Apollo 13 and snored at the most pivotal moment. Number two is Toy Story. And number one was Die Hard with a Vengeance. At the Oscars, we had Sense and Sensibility, Il Postino, The Postman, Babe, Apollo 13, and the winner, (laughs) Braveheart. Oh. Oh, yeah, okay. That was in their 1995. Yeah, all those men in those skirts. So we are to read other nerd alerts. <laughs> oh yeah. yes! <laughs> oh my god! Yes, Teeny has a nerd alert. I just like this. I watched a documentary about the history of Las Vegas, and you'd think I would. Well, see, here's the problem: is that I watched it on my phone on the flight back from Las Vegas. Uh-huh. So the note taking was hard. <laughs> so I didn't get much there. Um, but a couple of things that, you know, these are going to be random and if they're right, they're right. And if they're not, then that's, you're at the wrong podcast. So it doesn't matter, but okay. So I heard something about, we can thank Los Angeles for Las Vegas because it's, they lost LA was like, we got to get rid of all these illicit activities going on, like gambling and stuff like that. Oh. So they made it illegal. So then they had to go. So then it was legal. It became legal in Las Vegas. People had to go to Las Vegas for it. But also when the Hoover Dam was being built, um, it, the population outside of Las Vegas went from like 5,000 to 25,000. All these people like moved there men mostly to um build the hoover dam i bet you a lot of people died doing that uh have you seen the the hoover dam no i'm not gonna take a day out of my vegas time to go see the hoover dam see the the only reason that i did because the first time that i went to vegas was on a cross country i was moving out to la so we're like well we have to hit vegas and oh yeah because we were going there we also had to hit um the grand canyon which is kind of like out of the way and also up north and we froze our asses off. But going into Vegas, we went to the Hoover Dam and it it is like pretty mind-blowing. Just of like, it's so big Massive. and you're just like, yeah, wow. Yeah, so many people had to be in there and that's a man. Well, so a lot of the casinos and stuff were like, what year was that built in the 30s? 34 or something to, like that? It had to be something because Hoover was the like the, the president. And that was before that was in the Depression era. So somewhere. Well anyway. They built a lot of the casinos had to entertain all the men there. Um hmm. oh 1931. And 1931 is also when the first casino was built in Las Vegas. Oh. Nevada actually outlawed gambling in 1910, but the practice continued in speakeasies and illicit casinos. Um, And then it was legalized again in 1931. Fremont Street was the first paved street. 
Wow. Uh huh. Um, and sorry, Mac. The dam was completed in 1936, and cheap hydroelectricity powered the flashing signs of Fremont's Glitter Gulch. <laughs> Mac is impressed. You can hear that? <laughs> um, so, despite what you may think, the mob did not build Las Vegas. They were not the first people to make casinos. Like, they didn't start that. It was huh. there. It was already They were there. just the ones that were like, we're taking it to another level. They had the vision. Yeah, we see what this could be. Yeah, so Bugsy Siegel was the first mobster to kind of do that in 1946. And he and the History Channel calls him East Coast Jewish gangster Meyer Lansky, who had Mexican drug money. They opened the Flamingo. And that was like the first like Hollywood resort. Like that was going to be the best of the best. And it ended up being kind of like it didn't, it wasn't done by the first, by when it opened, it was kind of a flop. They ended up having to kick people out. Like it was like not, they didn't do a good job, but anyway, he was murdered in 1947. Um, but then the mobsters started coming. They built um, the Sahara, the sands, the new frontier, the Riviera, and it's thought that in by like the 1950s, 90% of the casinos were operated by the mob. Um, I have some good quotes that I liked about it, about not quotables from the movie, just about Las Vegas. Um, the okay. documentary that I watched said... Las Vegas is the unbelievable story of how one small speck in the desert became a glittering metropolis of hedonism. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then, or was that from the movie? Well, I have the quote from the movie about that. Oh, who knows what's real and what's fake. But the podcast that I um, mobbed up said this. Well, I'm not there yet. I'm sorry. Um, so then all these, so all the mobsters were running, running things, right? Mm -hmm. And back then it was like, if you, so all of them mostly had gambling problems too, but they were like, well, they have gambling problems, just open a casino and then you're losing to yourself. That was a quote from somebody. Mm. So they're, you know, then their money at least was going into their own pockets. Um, but back then everything was like comped. So like, I think in the movie, like the mayor, it was when he was on trial and he was like, you're going to, you tell me if you've ever paid for staying in, you know, Tangiers. Cause anybody who came to play there, they just got like comp rooms and they weren't paying for much other than they were taking their money. Well, they were paying for all the gambling. So they were paying for it. But, um, so this podcast said the people who say that Las Vegas was better in the mob days, they missed the comps. Locals mm. went to the hotels and were treated very nicely. And they got lots of comps. They didn't have to pay for food or drinks or shows. And people took care of them. They felt like the town liked them. They're nostalgic for a time when Las Vegas was smaller, when there was less traffic, when you'd be greeted by name when walking into a casino. They missed the free-flowing booze, the comp shows, the park free parking, and Buck 99 buffets. They miss things like pie night. 
And then it goes on to talk about how these have pie night for like five, ten, five dollars or something. You go and you get all the shows and you get to eat pie. And it was just like, you know, I mean, kind of had it made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it made me realize that um, if I, I, you know, people are like, if you were born in another time, I'd want to be in mob Las Vegas. That's where I want to be. Okay. There's my answer. I'm sticking to it. Um, Yeah, you can can live that life. (laughs) And uh, then modern day Vegas, I guess. So Steve Wynn ended up being, you know, a big wig in the casinos. Um, And this is just a random tidbit. He built the Mirage and it was, the first casino to use cameras on all its table games. Oh, interesting. So there's that part in the movie when they're like, um, you're, you know, everybody's watching somebody, mm-hmm. right? This was right. before there was cameras everywhere. There were some, but not everywhere. So, yeah, those yeah. are my nerd alerts, as mangled as they were. It was, it's so interesting because the first time that I went to Vegas, that was what struck me was driving about how you could just park at all the different casinos and mm-hmm. it, just these massive parking structures and Free it was parking like, is fairly paid parking is fairly new in the past few years yeah because like when i w- first would go there it was just you i had my car and you would just park and you could just park at any casino and it was free be- and it made sense at first i was like oh my gosh this is crazy but then when you thought when i thought about it i'm like oh it makes sense because they want you to park so you're there and you're going around and now that was that's something that i've noticed luckily i've been blessed and lucky enough where i'm not taking the car i'm hurting the environment and taking a plane but um yeah but now it's it, it's just wild how it's so hard to find parking really when they used to, yeah like you have to pay for it now i was mm-hmm. just flabbergasted by it it's that's like the, the cool thing about vegas is how much it changes and how much it while it changes, it'll always still harken back to the old Vegas mm-hmm. and how there's yeah. So I mean I guess that's in like my Ricky Opos and stuff for later on. But it it's it is it is crazy because I remember before going to Vegas, like I guess when this movie came out and like in the eighties and stuff and hearing about Vegas, it was always like more middle aged people like from the Midwest mm-hmm. and they would get comps in the mail of when to go to Vegas. And that's how I would hear about Vegas is people are like, Man, oh, we'll take three nights or whatever. And mm-hmm. now that's, it's just, that's not a thing anymore. I don't think, I don't know. There, it is. I don't, people that on the podcast I listen to, not that one, shout out 500 by midnight. They're always talking about comps, but you have to, a lot of the times now you have to play, like you have mm. to, you have to pay to get the comps. Yeah. Yeah. So it, I guess it ends up kind of being a wash or they make more money. I mean, that's the thing. Like, Vegas is the house is always going to win. So you can't go there thinking that you're going to get up on a come up. Yeah. What about the drinks? Because I always heard that you never had an empty drink glass in your hand. <sighs> they have. Yeah. Because it, a few years ago, 
when we first started going, so it's been almost 10 years since we've been going, it was free if you're gambling everywhere. And I noticed some of the newer casinos, it would it would be the harder ones where it would be to get a drink. Like if you're sitting in a slot machine, just because they didn't have this frequent service. Oh, okay. But if you're paying video poker at the bar, it was always free. And then maybe like five years ago, they started going to a ticket system where oh. at some casinos, where if you were playing at the bar, like playing video poker, you didn't just keep getting free drinks, but as long as you were still playing and putting money in, they would print out a ticket for you and it would be your drink comp. Oh, okay. I've never like, but now it seems this past time we were there that the free drinks are back in most places. Mm. It's, but it's, when we were at, at Flamingo at Bugsy's bar, we were sitting there and the bartender came over and he was like, Hey, you just have to have $20 in the machine. Like I think somebody put in $10 in and he was like, you have to have 20 in there for me to comp your drinks. And they have it like now okay. it's, I think some of them have it behind the bar where it there's like a light goes off. So it wasn't just that you had to have twenty dollars. You had to have twenty dollars in, and you had to be playing like a dollar a hand. Because uh, me, I put in the twenty dollars, and I'm playing twenty five cent, and, and I'm like, I'm you know, I'm playing and stuff. But it was you have to, you know, it's all like analytics now, like really getting behind it of mm -hmm. like, okay, now you have to put the twenty, but you have to be betting that much and then after okay. a certain amount because i was i could see like across from me then like a light going green and then i think that's then the bartenders knew like oh but it varies from different bars to bars. yeah it varies per casino i went to <laughs> when i was waiting for them i went to a casino and i'm like okay i'll play some video and i could not figure out how to get my money into the machine it was the funniest <laughs> thing I had this $20 bill and I kept trying to, to I'm like, take my money, take my money, please. And it wouldn't. And I, I, I oh, they're going to find out about me. And this woman comes over and she was like, oh, do you want another beer? So I'm like, okay. And I get my money out like to pay her and stuff. Cause I can't, I couldn't figure, <laughs> I could not figure out. And I'm thinking I had watched half of this film by then. I'm sure that De Niro was going to come like take, you know, put my arm behind me and escort me out. Like, you know, you know, me and authority, Ma, I'm like, I, I'm going to get in so much trouble. Oh my gosh. This is like, take my $20, please. They won't. And the lady, the lady came by and I was like, oh, how much is it? 10 bucks? She's like, oh no, you're, you're gambling. And I was like, yes. Yes, yes, I, I am. am. <laughs> and here is your tip, ma'am. Thank you. So it just—I think you have to just be prepared to 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 play and stuff, and then you just see where it takes you. But that's another point—the tip, because I mean, you know that the the wait staff needs the tips to make a, a living wage. But do a, a lot of people not tip because they're not paying for the drinks? I wonder. I think everybody no, they, tips because they're not paying yeah. for drinks. Yeah. Like that's okay. the on, that's the rule. And they get tips from winners a lot. Like oh, uh, yeah, there's a girl, yeah. like if you saw this girl on TikTok and she's like a professional slot machine player somehow. And so she hit like a $100,000 jackpot. And then the waitress who'd been giving them drinks at the slot machine got like a $4,000 tip or a $1,000 tip. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Well, it's like what um, this movie showed with um, Ginger's character about how it's Kickback City and how you right. always take care of the people. Like that—that's a foundational Vegas rule: is that you always take care of the people. So if you win, you know you have to tip the dealer. You're always very nice about like tipping is a big thing in Vegas. I wonder more because when I started going to Vegas. Um, you know, that was in the early 2000s. And now the difference between cash, like you yeah. still have to have cash yeah. and stuff, but there's so many different transactions that are done mm-hmm. electronically. So mm-hmm. I wonder as that continues to go, like, are they going to have card readers and, and that's how you tip and stuff? Like, is it because when they were counting the money in this and there were, it's all coins and stuff, like now all of that, it's not quarters. It's it's money yeah. and then you get Chucky your... Chucky Cheese coins. Yeah, and, you, and then when you're done, you cash out and you get a printout and then you go to a machine and slide it in and then it takes it out. But it doesn't give you change. It, it has this thing now where, say I won $20.50, then I go... And it puts it in. I'll get the $20, but the 50 cents, it asks me if I want to donate it to a charity. (laughs) Yeah. So I can say donate to a charity. But if I say I don't want to donate it to a charity, then it it gives me the $20 and then another ticket for 50 cents. So I can put that 50 cents into another machine. But most machines aren't 50 cents. So the casino is basically like you can either give to a charity or, or you like can go wait in line at the cashier, but nobody wants to interact with humans anymore. Yeah, for that fifty cents, you're just gonna be like, oh, and so the the casinos like, ha, we win either way. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so we are to negative reheatables. <clears throat> there was a lot of violence. I mean, I know the mob people are, can be violent, from my understanding of what I've watched on television. There was a lot of violence. Okay, and but you know what? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Frank Culotta. He, mm-hmm. you know who he is? Mm-hmm. He's a mobster. And I think this is who he is. I'm so sorry. He is interviewed in Mobbed Up. They, they go around and like talk with him. He was friends with Tony Spilatro. The mobster. Okay. Who is Tony Spilatro? Was he the, the Joe Pesci, right? Use Joe yes, Pesci's character, I believe. Yes, and Tony Spilatro, who is who brought Frank Collada to Vegas, because you got to be brought there. And so he was arrested in 1982, and then um, he became a government witness and entered the witness protection program. And now he's like. He was in the hole in the wall game, um, which I didn't know. I learned that they were called the hole in the wall gang because they would blow holes in the wall. And that's how they got into places <laughs> to rob things. Oh, wow. So Frank Culotta, like in the, like in the movie. So Frank Culotta was in that. Um, but now he's just an average guy. Is he now an he's average dead, guy? Actually, he's oh. now dead. He died in August 2020. Did he die? Oh. Yeah. August 2020. Wow. Well, 
he was interviewed for this podcast and the guy he was riding around and um the guy who was with him was like he said like we they went to the pepper mill oh i love the pepper mill they were like chatting there and they're like we left and his um bodyguard was there and he was like he says he doesn't need a bodyguard like nobody's out to get him anymore he's like i don't i'm not so sure about that um but so this guy he's like I could first of all listen to his voice for millions of hours. He's like typical mobster, like I think I can't remember where he's from. Um, but he was talking about the violence, and he was like, "Yeah, like we, you know, if you you were told to kill somebody, you had to kill them, or else you were gonna get get got." He was like, "But he's like, I know this isn't the same." He's like, "Of course, I feel guilty about it now, but this is what I was brought up on." And around that time, we had all these people going to war and they were killing people also. So that was what it was like for me. I was protecting my family. I was doing what I had to do. I was like, we well, put it like that. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, like but, Muhammad that's, Ali said. but that's also what, you know, organized crime. It's funny because they label that. You know, they put that on the Italians, organized crime, and they'll put that on, you know, other, um, it, think of it in terms of caste and stuff, but then, like, but what is our economy, but not or, organized like, crime? What is right? taxes? Yeah, all of it. It's just like, and that was kind of the point of the film was like, okay, we're doing this casino. We're on the up and up, but they're like, oh, it's run by the mob. But now you're like, oh, it's it's not run by the mob anymore. But I'm like, it's still organized crime. I mean, we all look at it. Like, yeah. You're not going to tell me, like, health insurance isn't organized crime. You yeah. know? Exactly. Like, any part of, the, like, banking isn't organized crime. I mean, how many times in cast have we gone over what the, you know, the housing and all of that? And, and mm-hmm. the, oh, you're only allowed to get this because, and you, these people have to live here and the redlining and all of that, like politics and all of that. It's all organized crime. The only difference is, is the people who are in power that are like, no, but we're the legitimate businessmen. Yeah, we're the good people. Yeah, yeah. that's why, like, you Credit see cards. Yeah, all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I only got you got to your first read all negative. And I want to know when they're going to get the right color for blood. The blood that was too red. Oh. When when the bag goes over the head and, and blood spills into the... Oh, that was the really red. Bag. That was just, wait, it wasn't right. It wasn't I think right. that, well... I had a tasty titty on that, and that was that this film originally, the original cut of this film had an NC-17 rating for violence. Yeah. So that they had to make several cuts, and I bet part of that blood thing is in the, um, the to make it look more red. I think we've, we've been over that, how it was made cartoony red as a... a a way to get around censorship oh okay maybe we have talked about that that sounds vaguely familiar okay uh the snake skull on the hat of the cowboy hat on the on the brim no i like that okay not not i didn't even notice it so thank goodness um 
James Woods has gone through quite a transformation. Oh my, you better, that is a litigious man. You better be careful. (laughs) That is a litigious man. Yeah, well, okay, I'm not going to say any more, but. You can Google, you can Google old, uh, old Woods's, um, where he's coming from, his perspective. He, he's, he, I can say his political affiliations. Yes, but many people have uh, political affiliations. I'm, I'm just saying, saying that is a litigious man, Ma. <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> the toothpick in Joe Pesci's mouth, I was, I, it, I can't stand a toothpick just hanging out of somebody's mouth because I'm always afraid it's going to get shoved in and hurt somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. You, you <laughs> pass that down to me. Um, the slurs, but at least from the slurs, we were an equal opportunity slur. We were, they were, they would slur anyone and everyone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Religious, racial, um, gender, sexuality. We got all the slurs covered. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, the, the mob mentality, which is, um, capitalism. Mm -hmm. I know the mob mentality is just make as much money as you can, which is. (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> okay. Um, those, are not, those are mine. Mine were half veils. Ginger's oh. wedding outfit looked her like her veil had been cut in half. Oh. And not evenly. Not even evenly. Hmm. An asymmetrical veil. Hmm. Weighing the girls for the show, which <laughs> apparently was real. Yeah, I'm sure it was. My Lanta. <laughs> That's just disgusting. When I was a kid, I thought it was, I would ask my mom for some of her Lanta. Her <laughs> Lanta. <laughs> That's cute, isn't it? Um, it's so it cute. Is. Yeah, it's disgusting, though. You know, I had to really be feeling a type of way for that. Yeah. Derogatory terms and beepers. Mm. You know, your husband had a beeper. He never answered it either. (laughs) (laughs) I have, was that all of yours? Yes. I have, man, this is just a bad read upon me. Because even... So we watched the first half of this film and then went to Vegas. Oh, I loved it. Wasn't until yesterday when I found out, wait, the Tangiers isn't real? Oh, are you serious? On. Even yes! I knew that. It was this is what we, were, we kept talking about which one it was based on. I know, but for some reason, like I I, it was like, oh, it was based on, and then it existed, and then it got kaputted. Yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah. So this is my. You guys have have you guys heard of the Mandela effect? Yeah. So this is basically my Mandela effect. So the Mandela effect mm. is a situation where a large mass of people believes an event occurred when it did not, and oh, it yeah, comes okay. from 2009 when a reporter thought Nelson Man and a whole bunch of other people apparently besides this reporter, thought that Nelson Mandela had died in prison in the 80s. Side note, I was like, as I read that, I'm like, I'm guessing, oh, yeah, the reporter was white. Because I never had, like, I always knew that Nelson Mandela was alive until 
he wasn't and very obviously died because it was huge news. So just the fact that the Mandela effect like is existed because people are like, wait, Nelson Mandela's still alive? I'm like, that is a two worlds situation because that's not a black people thing. No black person was like, yeah, he died in the 80s. Nope. Very much new Mandela. Still in jail. Still in jail. He's free. He's the president. That's kind of how it went with me. But yeah, this I I was just like, wait, it wasn't That's real. Weird. And then so they used it in this movie cuz yeah, they based other things, but then it was also picked up in the original CSI. They also used the Tangiers. Oh, and did I re- they? and I I could have sworn that we saw the Tangier sign in the neon graveyard at the the neon museum I was with just the camel and everything. Yeah. Like Sahara. Man, I was just like the the whole time I'm I'm like, man, where was the original Tangiers? Where was just just an idiot? It was um, the Riviera though, right? Wasn't it the Riviera? It was and the the Stardust. Yeah, that is based off of. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but it was shot at the Riviera. I think a there lot of it go. was shot at Thank the Riviera. You. Thank you. Um, man, the caucasity of that white man to tell a Jewish man he's not at home while they're all standing on land that did not belong to them either, but they act like they were the first ones there. Wait, because that's caucasity. <laughs> I was just like, this, this man, like you will never be home. This is how we do it here in our home. Like, excuse me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's like the old Eddie Izzard thing. But do you have a flag? No. <laughs> Jeez. Man, Ace had one condition. What was his one condition? That he, for him to take over the casino and run it. He had one condition. No interference. Yeah. It was like, no interference. And then, further on with Ace... Here's my problem with the old ace man. Because he this was his whole thing about what, what got him in trouble. Was he wanted no interference. And then he says to the guy, that man's either too dumb or he's in on it. Mm-hmm. You mean to tell me ace? I'm talking to ace right now. When you met Ginger, <laughs> she got caught stealing another man's money and used the rest of this man's money to make her escape. Yeah. And you saw that and your first thought was, what a move. Then Ace, then you find out that she has, listen to these three words strung together. Old pimp boyfriend. <laughs> and then you find out that not only was this old pimp boyfriend, but that it started when she was 14. Yeah. So now that's just like dark grooming shit going involved. Then this woman, this same woman, then tells you that she doesn't love you. You ask her to marry her. She's like, but I don't love you. And you make a counter offer to her that she could not refuse because she's she, the woman was about the money and the possessions and the things. And then... But despite all of that, flags, just flags coming out of flags. And yet you trust her with your life. And I would say more importantly, to be the mother of your children. Oh, I was going with the keys. (laughs) No, 
the key. That's what I'm saying. Like you trust. Yes, me. right. But then you're also like, yes, and I also want this woman to be the mother of my children. Ace, you are a professional odds maker. That yeah. was your whole deal uh, was to was to the <clears throat> odds and playing the odds. And you looked at all those odds and you said, yes, sign me up. I think I can change her. L-O-L, Ace. L-O-L. Oh, that is all true. Oh, and then like with the, the violence, the head in a vice scene, I could not look. I couldn't that watch that. Away. I did not watch it. Evidently an eyeball popped out, but yeah, I, I can't. I, I, I couldn't. The head in a vice scene. And then finally, nobody has mentioned this. The Gemini slander. Oh. I do have a quote coming up. Oh, yeah. I mean, on this podcast, there's a Gemini amongst us. Yes, and I I guess they were not. I mean, full disclosure, we've got two Geminis associated. We're knee deep. We're knee deep. We got my dad is a Gemini and a little teeny here. I'm just going with this. This last two weeks, his Gemini-ness has not been favorably viewed by moi. <laughs> Teeny, Teeny's doing great. Okay, so now we're to positive or heatables. I love the music. I love the music. The moody blues? Are you kidding me? The glitz. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 it, it was like visual candy. Now, my Lanta, maybe not, but antacids are a wonderful thing. Mm. If it's a pill you can take. I don't want to deal with that taste and the chalk and that. But it's wonderful to be able to take something and get rid of that heartburn. That is true. I do like that. Did I mention my last two weeks? <laughs> <clears throat> the cool camera shots. Like there were several that I, I hadn't made note of, but but when this one came up, I went, oh, there's another one. When he and Joe Pesci are talking in the desert and he had on one of his colorful suits. Oh, I do have a nerd alert. And uh, Joe Pesci drives away and the smoke, how you just, the um, the grit, the, dust. the sand, the dust. Yeah. And it just, yeah. slow motion goes and envelops him. That was so cool. Mm-hmm. There were many cool moments like that. Real bumpers on cars. Yeah. When you could just replace the bumper. Unless, oh, yeah. I mean, she just keeps running into you. But you didn't see that Mercedes needing that much help, did you? No. Oh, there's positives. Um, I enjoyed the opening blow-up scene. The rest of <laughs> I'm so sorry. I wish you could see. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, actually, you're the one that made him, so you should be sorry. Um, well, Aaron had nothing to do with it, trust me. Um, okay, the opening blow-up scene, Ginger's wedding fit also loved it. You can love mm-hmm. and hate something at the same time. Mm-hmm. This was almost my MVP. If there is a sweater, I never knew, like a dream sweater. Yes. Mm-hmm. That woman at the wedding 
had on a sequin sweater with the queen of hearts on it or something. All <laughs> yes, in she, Yes, yes. Beautiful. Yes. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Gotta find it. I'm sure I could find it somewhere. Why did the judge have schnauzer statues all over his podium? I don't know, but I liked it. Hmm. <laughs> Good point. I also, I met a Chandler today. I saw a man and he was coming out of his apartment and he had a Chandler dog. And I said, I used to have a dog that just like, looked just like that. Cause I was staring at him so intently. <laughs> and he said, Oh, an English pointer. And I said, yes, his tail was cropped though. Oh, but his name wasn't Chandler. Cause I would, I would. Oh no. Um, the, I hope there's nothing wrong with this term. <laughs> Calling people goombas. Goomba, a uh, goomba. Goomba. Isn't that the the mistress of the? Like that's the other uh, woman. The, yeah, I thought they were the, calling each other goomas. Oh no, no, I don't know. No, there Ooh. there could be a goomba and there could be a goomba. I thought goomba was. I thought it was goomba, but also I think those are characters in Mario. And oh, oh no, oh, my, no, they're the oh, that's yeah, wow, I never put those two together. Um, <laughs> they're the of little how monsters. inappropriate Super <laughs> Mario is. <laughs> oh, god, what is Guma in Italian? Mistress or girlfriend? Okay, the is a compatriot or fellow comrade. Oh, oh! I had it backwards. Well, I like Good thing I didn't them. say oh, that. Yeah, right? Like, yeah, we were I both right. You're right. Yeah. And not very nice of Super Mario because those are the things that you smash and they jump on top of. It's supposed to be your pals. Um, well, they smash and jump on top of. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Jersey Shore. Oh. Um, the. You didn't like the zebra club they were at? Uh, yes, I did. Uh, it, it, she, it, she doesn't like, she likes to, uh, like, she, uh, go ahead, Ma. I it was excessive. Yeah. Mm. It, it was excessive. Like, okay, if I had had a couple cocktails before I walked in there, I probably would have been, you know, like, in love. You wouldn't have liked my first car. Or you would have been sick. Like, you can't do spinning you would have just been like, I have to get out of here. Oh. My first car, I had a 1987 Mercury Cougar, and it was black, and I had zebra print seat covers and a zebra print steering wheel cover and a zebra print thing that went around did the rear you, mirror, and I had fuzzy dice. Did you buy Ma's car? Didn't you have a Cougar, <laughs> a black one, and it died on the way really? to the Baltimore Aquarium? It was not a Cougar. It was mm. a Lynx. Oh, we had the yeah, the close, cheap the, version. Close. Yeah, very. Mine close. was mine was cheap. Also, it was free. Um, wow. And I had my uncle gave it to me, and he took me to the car show, and I got a spray painted, <laughs> sparkly plate for the front of my thing. It was gray and black, and it said Christine, and it was on the front of my car. Well, it was a pretty nice car. Wow. My goodness. I want pictures. Adam would have really liked it. I think yeah. I only have a picture of it when I totaled it. Oh. Um, oh, ouch. 
Ginger's nails. She had like a pink and red French manicure. I think it was like light pink and then the tips were red. Uh-huh. Very on trend today. Yeah, it was. Ace's house. Yes. Uh, that was a nice house. Atomic Liquors. It was featured in the movie. And it we went we still go there today. Mm-hmm. The pepper mill. Yes. Also in the movie, we went there to Adam and I had breakfast there our last day. Hmm. And then casinos, Vegas. Baby. Baby. The mob. <laughs> Just all of it. Yeah. I have man. Now that's an opening scene. You got the yeah. Bobby Nero in his loud ass suit, all polyester. Whispering in my ear. Fitted beautifully, may I add. Yes. Fitted, fitted beautifully. Yeah. Whispering in my ear, voiceover narration, gets blown into a neon title sequence designed by Saul and Elaine Bass. Which I wrote it down. This was, this was his last, his last work of art. It was beautiful. Yes. Over some opera sounding shit. Like I was so in just when it, it went from the flames to the yeah. neon lights of the flamingo. And I was just like, oh, this man still got it. And Bobby was like the like the cow in Twister because he, he just kept in his seat coming back, spinning back around in the flames. Mm-hmm. I have that as a meme worthy moment, like a screenshot of him, like the explosion and the car on fire and him just up in the air. Yeah. Yeah. I have the when I first started watching this movie, I kept waiting for it to start because it's just the whole movie feels like one long previously on casino. Like does it it always yeah. felt like like oh we're we're just giving the, the the opening montage and then you settle in and you're like, no, this is just how this film is. And now I think of how so many films are like that that you kind of take for granted like in 1995 and stuff how it was just like boom 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 Mm -hmm. because there's been so many years and Scorsese's made all these different movies but I was just like I just I just kept waiting to settle in for when the movie's gonna start I was just like oh no we're just doing this the entire time we're just boom 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 going 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 Mm -hmm. and I really I really enjoyed it it was a three-hour movie and I would have to pause it to get up and go do something once in a while, but I enjoyed it from the beginning to the end. I watched, I watched it twice, mm-hmm. and it, I, you saw it here first. It is on my top five movies for 2023. It is. I think that this is one of those movies where I, I could just put it on and just, yeah. just watch it, just have it on in the background because it's got it a great soundtrack. New, it might be my new... Well, okay. Here's the thing with The Hangover. Mm-hmm. For a while, every time we would see, like, if we just had the TV on and The Hangover came on, we would book mm-hmm. a trip to Vegas. Not, like, every mm-hmm. time, but, like, mm-hmm. a couple times. Mm-hmm. This just doesn't come on TV like that. So. No, it doesn't. I think, I think because of the length. And I think our TV habits have changed. Because it's also... It's it, too. Yeah. Yeah. Not as... Like, this is in the, the olden days where you had cable and you were like, oh, what's on? And you would yeah. flip through. Like, now you have to... 
Yeah. All right. right. What am I going to watch? It's like very kind of thing. I also have Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci as my favorite actors as nominees. I mean, they, yeah. Can't go wrong. You can't. Who's the guy that talks like this? Oh, he was also in The Sopranos with the bald guy? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just could listen to him talk all day. Oh, yeah. It it sounded like he had a voice machine, one of those. But, <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Ooh. Mm. She's up to a different time, folks. She's of a different time. <laughs> all right. I <laughs> really. I complete, that was wrong on every level. And I apologize. I'm ashamed of myself. <laughs> You're gonna cut this, right? No, I am not. The people we've been away. The people, the people miss this. We corrected. Her. She apologized in real time. I did. I did. And I will do it again. Okay. What are we on now? I'm still on doing my good reheatables. Okay. And that was not one. No. Although that might go into the best moments. <laughs> because. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, that, that guy, he's, he has a great voice. I have to say, sports handicapping, I really wanted to see more of that. Stevie's on mute explaining to Adam what you just did. <laughs> laughing hysterically. And Ma can't. She she's out of it. She's got tissues to her eyes. I'm I'm the only one on this plane trying to land it. Take it away. I got I got the sports handicapping. How I wanted to see more of it. I wanted to see how, like how he he was so good at it. And this is in a time before. There was the internet and these algorithms. You know? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, honestly, we had to look up how to sports bet, literally, before sports bet. (laughs) And we still didn't get it. We still don't get it. Yeah, I don't. That's what I'm saying. Like, I want to know how he was so good at it. Was it because he's good at math? But also, he knew all of the information. So. Oh, because he knows a guy who knows a guy. Right, but he had to. He had to start somewhere because I could see how that would be expensive because you would have to pay people to get the information, the inside mm-hmm. track and stuff. So, or what are you going to say now? <laughs> May I? <laughs> I don't know. May you? <laughs> Poppy's drummer in the band was oh. like, he could read the horse, the, uh, the race in track oh yeah i remember those stories he knew like he had the gift but but he he had worked with horses and he worked with the people so yeah he but he could read it and know this is a mud horse this is a you know it rained two hours ago now he's gonna yeah and so um he he wasn't great at school, but, but that's where his interest lay. And man, he could do that. So that's sort of like a De Niro thing with other kinds of gambling. Yeah, but unlike De Niro, he wouldn't be allowed to run a casino 
in Las Vegas. Look at that. To be young, talented, young, gifted, and black. Oh, I'm sorry. It's called handicapping. Yeah, sports handicapping. Like what I said. And now, like, the, the people, they do it now, but they got, like... They put in the internet and they got these computers running these algorithms. Oh, I can't and imagine. All of that kind of stuff. But it's still, you can't rely solely on that. It's still, you know, there's the, the human intangibles that go with it, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. My next good reheatable is this tidbit. You have to predig the hole. But then, yes. how, see, I would predig the hole. And I would not remember where I dug the hole. Find it again. That's the what I'm saying. Is just vast. Yeah, that's tough. But, and you don't have a pin on your iPhone. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can't, you know, I mean, these. Oh, yeah. You, even if you did, you could have. Bad idea. It's a bad yeah, idea. Because then exactly. the police are going to find it. And, and I always thought, yeah. like, okay, they're going out to the desert to meet. But there's two cars. So there's two tracks. Is it a thing where then the wind will get rid of the tracks so they don't have to worry about it? Depend if there's wind that day. You know what else that Frank Kawada said? Yes. I'm the president of his fan club now, apparently. <laughs> um, he was saying that the when they like when they finally got caught, the FBI was like, "You're the only guy we couldn't keep track of." Like they'd be, he was like, "Right, I knew where they were, so I could tell where they were." watching me you know they'd be playing basketball across the street but i knew who they were and he was like it's because there, there were so many potholes all around town that i just hit the potholes and then the tracker on my car would fall off but they couldn't ah, find me mm-hmm. nice that's good to know i have okay she said this and i have always heard this term Was going to powder one's nose always a secret reference to cocaine? No. Okay. Oh, you seem to be a pro. No. (laughs) I don't think so. Because I think that was from like the 30s and 40s. And that was... Yeah, but like they didn't have cocaine back then. Like was that like a haze code kind of thing to get around? Like, oh, we're going... I I don't think so because I... It could be completely innocuous and it was just to reapply more makeup. But the more I thought of it, and especially when she was like, oh, in this movie, I'm going to powder my nose. I was like, wait, she's talking about cocaine? Yeah, she's talking about putting it in her nose, not on her nose. I don't know. That's worth looking into because I just always thought that that was. Um, It originally and literally applied to a horse or a dog. Powdering one's nose? Okay. And that no, has been... I'm sorry. <laughs> That's about the phrase to go see a man about a horse. Uh, because <laughs> because that, that's what I said. There you go. There you go. And when oh I Googled God. it, um, the powder room, it was available. You could only, you only have foundation in powdered form. A woman might need to touch up her makeup in public. So the ladies' room became the powder room. Mm-hmm. Oh. And needing to check ones because it really started because women couldn't say they had to go take a shit no they you couldn't say i need to use the restroom no so they would say they needed to powder their nose yeah oh yeah exactly see then in my reimagined history i'm like everybody was just going to do cocaine in the 
that's true. But I guess doesn't it make total sense? I mean, my early my early two thousands, being in my young twenties, that I'm pretty sure that that when people said they're going to powder their nose, that that's what they meant. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, especially with the crowd you were hanging out with. I know. I was like, no, it will kill me. You will die. Hank gathers. (laughs) So I learned that lesson. Um. The scene where Ace spots the cheaters. I love yeah. that scene. Yeah. It's so yeah. cool. It's good. Um, oh man. Again, so the the music. There's this woman and I hear her voice and I just I just know this voice and it was in the proposal scene. I hear this woman's voice and I'm like, "That's Dinah Washington." And sure enough, it was. She was singing Unforgettable during the proposal scene. And then later, she they have their famous What a Difference a Day Makes. I, uh-huh. in the, within the last, I would say, maybe eight, seven years or so, I've become a big Dinah Washington fan. Where she, I just hear that voice and I'm just like, I know that that's Dinah Washington. She just has one of those voices to me where I just pick it out. The same with Aretha Franklin. You know, you I can have never heard a song and be like, that's Aretha Franklin, that's Dinah Washington, that's Whitney Houston. Like, gee, Dinah Washington, I don't know what it is about that woman's voice, but I love the way her voice sounds, and nobody else sounds like her. And it's so smooth and silky and still has, like, gumps to it. It's smoky. Oh, man, do yourself a favor. Get on some Dinah Washington on your, your playlist, man segues into before I started watching this now I don't know if these people know about the whole like Bush family everybody has to take a drink when I mention the ninja drink Mm. that's a big fan my ninja well the old ninja my beloved ninja is pretty much in long term care right now headed into hospice and before we started watching this movie I I made a video because I thought that the ninja was out. I thought it had code red. I thought it had flatline. And so I made a video just to send to the family, which it was just playing Harry Nilsson's Without You over the, the ninja being dead. But then the ninja heard the song Without You, and the ninja was like, I ain't dead yet. I have not left you yet, Aaron. And it came back to life. And then I'm sitting here watching the movie, and Without You comes on? It it blew my mind. And now, I don't know. It's 50-50 if it's going to work tonight for dinner. It's... I would play the song. I got to play the song tonight so it'll work. They just don't make shit the way they used to. They sure don't. Well, in fairness to your ninja, you do use it daily. Yeah, it's supposed to be used every day. Okay. Oh, it's not. It's supposed to be used one time. Like no, no. it's a it's a kitchen appliance. It's supposed to. My Vitamix, that thing has been alive and kicking and tearing, pulverizing vegetables and banana, frozen banana for nigh on ten years now. Nigh on, nigh on. Still going strong, man. Ace at work. I I gotta say. I know that I am not management material because 
you know, Ace was not like the the people. He wasn't taking into account people and stuff. But I got to say, I admired Ace. He said he wanted no interference. And he said that guy is either too dumb or he's in on mm-hmm. it. Right. I don't care who you're, who he's related to. Exactly. And then my final good reheatable is living out your days making money in San Diego. I could think of worse ways. Absolutely. Than, I mean. San Diego. Oh, beautiful. So those are my good reheatable. So we are to quotations. And there were so many, but I got so caught up in watching the movie, I didn't write a lot. Oh, lucky you. I did. Here we go. I do have the longer they play, the more they lose. Yes. So keep them at the tables. And in the end, we get it all. Yeah, unless you're me and you know how to drag it out nicely. <laughs> Teeny is over there. Bing, 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 bing. And I'm over there. A bing. A soup. <laughs> a thing. A bing. Because I'm trying to win big. Yeah. She's like, doom, doom. I'm like, no. We are going to strip. I am not a sucker. I am the, <laughs> I am the one that they are on the lookout for. <laughs> uh, okay. So they had a, a discussion with someone who was cheating. And now you're going to have to learn with your left hand. Because they broke his right hand. Gemini is a snake. You know, you can't trust a snake. Well, time will tell. Oh, that's slander. I didn't think that Gemini's sign was a snake teeny, is it? No, but... um, Not literally, but people think Gemini's are two-faced. Oh... And I, I, I don't know. I've always been like the, I don't know. Cause my dad's a Gemini and I just, I don't know. You're a Gemini. I don't know. They're always like, Oh, it's the, the doubles, the twins. I don't Ma has more, like you have more insight on that. The man is a, a myth wrapped in an, but I wrap. also think it's, I don't believe in this shit, but I don't think it's that you're good and bad. I think it's, you can be two different people. Exactly. Yeah. And I, you can be very analytical. And on the flip side, you can be very emotional. Whatever. Um, Okay. Are you ready for mine? I am. When you love someone, you've got to trust them. There's no other way. You've got to give them the key to everything that's yours. Otherwise, what's the point? Hence why he gave her the key. Yeah. Okay, but again, my point, you're a professional odds maker, my man. There are three ways of doing things around here. The right way, the wrong way, and the way that I do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's like everything else in this place. You don't do it yourself, it doesn't get done. (sighs) That's, you know what, Ma? That is, that is (laughs) when growing up. It would be like you she would want us to do something and we would try to do it. And then we were trying to do it and she would just go, What would we would she do? Move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, all right, then just do it yourself. And do then yourself. Oh, go ahead, Teeny. Oh. 
Well, you mean to tell me that the money we're robbing is being robbed, that somebody's robbing from us? <clears throat> uh, I think this is when he was talking about the guy that you, the guy working for him. He said, this guy could fuck up a cup of coffee. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, like, Jesus, this guy. Yeah. Like you're too like it's sad because you you when you see somebody and you're like they're just not cut out for this, but you don't yeah. want to take away their livelihood. But yeah. they're like, yo, like you either like don't care or you're just too dumb to do yeah. this. Um, let them complain. I do all the work. Somebody don't like it. Fuck them. Mm. That's right. Uh, this one I liked. And the bosses were no better. They complain day and night because things don't run smooth. Well, in my line of work, things don't run so smooth. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm dealing with degenerate animals out here. But the bosses, what do they give a fuck? They're sitting on their asses drinking in a set. Meanwhile, I'm the guy in the trenches. Fucking bosses. They think it's a free lunch out here. That's right. That's hilarious. And then finally paradise we managed to really fuck it all up yeah yeah <clears throat> i have all you're giving me is answers i want the right answer <laughs> this people just be like my job is people just throwing stuff at me i'm just like nope 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 that's not the right answer you're just mm-hmm. throwing stuff at me but that's not the right answer um and why mess up a good thing and that's that. That's how the movie ended. He was just uh-huh. like, and that's oh, that. Yeah. Um, and then this is what you're talking about. So this, when I fly into Vegas, I'm flying in from LA. I like to get me a nice, nice window seat on the old Southwest. Man, you come when you come into LA to Vegas from LA, you fly in and it's just dark. And a lot of times it's dark because I'm meeting them there. And it's just dark. Nothing out there. Maybe one or two lights. And then all of a sudden, it looks... Because it's darkness, so it looks like the sea. Just lights come out of nowhere. And it's just this island. And you you pass over it. And then you, like, go... And then so that your... The approach is, you know, coming <laughs> over it. And it's darkness. And then it's just this island of light. And then you turn back... And you landed it, and it, it it's just wild because they, and even when you and it's the same when you drive, you're just driving on the highway and it's just dark, nothing, nothing, and then you just start the sky starts to get bright because mm-hmm. of the lights, and it just mm-hmm. literally appears out of nowhere. That's why I love this quote. At that time, Vegas was a place where millions of suckers flew in every year on their own nickel and left behind about a billion dollars. But at night, you couldn't see the desert that surrounds Las Vegas. Because it's, it's true. Like, when you fly in at night, like, you just really see it. And because of my weird brain, I'm like, there's so many bodies out there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it is. It's just wild. Especially if you've been 
flying over the west coast of the country at night and stuff. And then when you come back into L.A., it's nothing, nothing. And then just the vastness of L.A., it's like the opposite. There's mm-hmm. nothing, nothing. And then you get to the, the point of the sprawl, and then it's just nothing but lights. And it's just all lights, all lights, all lights. So when you leave it, going to from L.A. to Vegas, it's just lights, lights, lights. Then it's just nothing for this long time. And then it's just this island oasis of light and you're just like yeah this place is just out here in the Mm -hmm. middle of the desert makes no goddamn sense my god love it next those are all your quotes Mm -hmm. my lvp my runner-up is nikki just because he's such a little jerk yeah but my my LVP is Ginger. I mean, she's got to stop crying and start doing something. My LVP is Ginger also, mainly because she has terrible taste in men. Both Nikki and Lester over Ace. I mean, come on. Yeah. I kind of agree, but specifically my LVP was Jerry McGee, who is the real woman that Ginger was based off of because of that, because this is a, the character was based off of you. And in a movie, it's doing cocaine lines in front of your daughter. I mean, yo, they did Jerry. I don't know what her real. Maybe that didn't happen. Yeah, except that's my point. That's why she's like the LVP of this because on Wikipedia everywhere, yeah. saying how Ginger McKenna is based off of Jerry McGee. And, I mean, in this movie, they have her character doing cocaine lines in front of her. And it's not a little baby daughter who, like, she doesn't know what's going on. It's an old enough, you know, she will remember her mother doing lines of cocaine in front of her while they were hiding out with the man who groomed her mother at 14 to become a prostitute. And yeah, that's kind of why I feel bad for saying she's MVP, but or LVP. LVP. Yeah, I do yeah. too. Except for that that scene where she's doing like, because it was that whole way like going up to it, and then when they they kind of just I feel like now they would definitely handle her character differently. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but when they just drop that in of like, oh yeah, that was her old pimp boyfriend okay but then when it's like oh at 14 i would i did a oh i did a sit back and was like oh shit no wonder like she was groomed this is like fucked up mind shit that that man has done to this woman that's why she's like irrational like you can't Mm -hmm. like she's basically been brainwashed and stuff like she's a a human trafficking victim as far as i'm concerned like this is really bad and I and so everything bad that she did, I was putting through that that filter until I got to the scene where she is doing the lines of cocaine in front of her daughter. And then I'm like, OK, all of that can be true, but you're doing lines of cocaine mm-hmm. in front of your daughter and you brought your daughter in like, you know, into and, this. And I don't know if you caught it, but. There's a scene where I think she's on the payphone talking and in the background you see James Woods's character and he's talking to the daughter and you're just he's grooming her like just the way like their interaction in the background you can tell like he's he's putting on the same game 
that he did on the 14-year-old. That man is a predator, and you brought your daughter into this situation, and it's just, it's, that's just like, oh, wow. Because in real life, um, Jerry McGee had three kids with the man that Ace is based off of. And she was a cocktail waitress in Tropicana Showgirl. So I don't even know if she was a hustler. I mean, she did meet an untimely, the same sort of untimely demise as kind of shady Mm -hmm. uh, drug overdose type situation. But I just feel like... I, I don't like I, I just feel like they did her dirty like you know there was yeah, just I, that is a good point I do feel like they would do her mm-hmm. differently now mm-hmm. I hope so well, yeah it's like we need a remake <clears throat> uh my MVP is Joe Pesci oh the, the Joe Pesci uh Robert De Niro um interaction is amazing but he I mean he makes this for me. He's got his character in this is very much um like if I uh, I had I had like a reading done on me and stuff and and they were uh, the lady was like cuz I'm a Leo and Leo's kin can break bad and the lady was like we are lucky that that you did not break bad. And I feel like Joe Pesci is me if I broke bad because he's just little <laughs> mm-hmm. and will get and gets angry and just, and I'm just I see that and I'm like oh man I that is inside of me but it is very very small and I just keep it very very small but there are times when I just want my inner Pesci to come out and it can't we can't have our inner Pesci come out because that is that is bad for society and we will end up in jail and I don't think that we would really do that well in jail. So <laughs> now with your authority issues, my MVP, the runner up, well, my second runner up was the sweater, mm. the sequin sweater. With the yes, 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 yes. My first runner up was mob stuff. Yeah. And I slept on it. I slept on it for many years and I didn't have any interest in it. And it's something that like, you know, my favorite murder, they don't like mob stuff. And now I just love it. And also, like, I could listen to mobsters talk all day, like New Jersey, like Staten Island mobsters. Mm. Yeah. Um, but my real MVP is Vegas. So come on. Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. Oh, of course. I mean, she did get she did get engaged in Vegas. So. Mm-hmm. I was pushing hard for a marriage in Vegas. You're welcome that we didn't get married in Vegas. I was like, we can do it right now. I'm right here. I'm your witness. I know. I, I know. I'm glad that I was able to be at your wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not do a recasting because... Well, wait. Can I do my MVPs? No. Oh, okay. Go ahead. My honorable mention is Sal and Elaine Bass. Because, again, oh, the flames yes. turned into neon. Oh man, and I know that I I tore Ace a new one, but my honorable mention is Ace because he did have a talent that just would allow him yeah, to he did. You know, he's just gonna make money. But like Teeny, my real MVP is Las Vegas. Yeah. It's 
it just really is candy for the eyes. I know that Vegas yeah. isn't for everybody, but here's the thing. There is a Vegas for everyone. Mm-hmm. And remember when we were on the strip and we were walking and what I said to you, TD? I was like, oh, my God. You literally see every type of person mm-hmm. in Las Vegas. Every type of person. It's, yep. it's, it's where every, like, not even, you can look, look at it, America, and like, oh, there's two Americas, and the different kinds of Americas, but there's a Vegas for all of these different people, and you're all walking. And you're planet. all doing the same, you're all in the same area, yeah, it's like, yeah you're not, you don't have to go to different parts, like, you're all going to be on the strip at some point. At some point, but then also, like, because they have the strip. So that's why there's like that's why I say there's a Vegas for everybody because they have like the Excaliburs and that kind of thing where it's more of a Disney five thing and then you can go on Fremont and get that old Vegas kind of experience like they stayed at the um, El Cortez and I was waiting for them and there's this hallway that is just they just call it history hallway and it's it's painted like maroon and it's got these nice framed photos of all the old time Vegas things because. The old Cortez is still there, and it's one of the old school things. And and then you got the smells. So then you have that. So you can have the old timey and you know, cigarettes inside, and you get those smells. But then when you you can go to like the wind in Vegas, mm-hmm. and it just it's just, it's a different. It's oh no, you don't smell any sort of cigarette smoke. No, it's it's they're they're just pumping in straight scented oxygen that is just delicious and you're just looking at all of this opulence and and it's just funny to walk through the different casinos to see like what they're oh this is for these kind of people and this is catered for this and you can go here for this and they just they just have it down pat because it's just what do you want us to be so that you will give us our money and you can find that mm-hmm. and you can just go and I like going back and forth between like the old cheap dirty Vegas and like the high end and the, I'm now like the food is crazy like and I like what they said in this how kickback city because it still kind of is kickback city but it, it's still I just like it, it's just always in in flux yeah and yeah righty. I did not do a recasting. There's no need. I didn't either. No. I mean, De Niro it was perfect was the way it was. Yeah. And I will say, like, Sharon Stone's really good in this. Yeah. I have who else was considered. Oh. Uh, Nicole Kidman, oh, Melanie God. Griffith, oh. Renee Russo. Cameron Diaz, Uma Thurman, and Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer, I think, was offered it, but she had already done Scarface. Scarface, and she thought it was too too similar. Yeah, I could see that. I could see Renee Russo would mm-hmm. have been interesting. Mm-hmm. 95, I don't know, like Nicole Kidman then. Yeah. Because that was the thing about like Sharon Stone's characters that she she had to walk this line of being this woman who was independent and could hustle men and was self-assured, but then also had this 
you know, she was groomed and this damaged yeah, inner core. Yeah, right, right. And it, like, some of it is, was like, maybe, I don't know. Sometimes I got, like, I was really uncomfortable watching her because I was like, how much are you acting here? Like, yeah. You know, like, to put yourself through, like, your body doesn't know you're acting. Like, you're putting yourself through a bunch of trauma. A lot of a trauma. A lot of trauma. Okay, most of the scenes between De Niro and Pesci were improvised. Like, what? <clears throat> um, 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 Scorsese would say, okay, this is where this conversation starts. This is where it needs to end. Oh, you shit. guys just go at it. Wow. And I felt like that in one of their conversations. I felt like they were just going at each other, you know? It reminds me of the scene where they were talking in code, where they picked up the phone mm-hmm. and it was like, oh, I'm going to be at the golf course. And mm-hmm. and it was mm-hmm. just, and they had the subtitles underneath it. I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert De Niro and Sharon Stone were able to keep their costumes. Ooh. Robert De Niro had 70 and Sharon Stone had 40. Kept and all they, of them? Yeah. And they said, uh, as the movie progressed and, and more chaos came into it, the flashier his suits got. Oh. Uh, Sharon Stone encouraged the young girl who played her daughter to constantly annoy the hell out of James Woods. Mm. Um, producers had a hard time finding people who would tell them how to cheat at the casinos. Oh, really? Yeah, I can believe that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What are you, the, a narc? The casino scenes were shot in the Riviera between one and four a.m. Oh, shit. one time our first trip there, Adam and I stayed up and. Till, well, I think it was the time we walked from downtown to the strip. And um, so we, because it's like also in Vegas, everything, objects and they, everything looks closer than it is because everything is so gigantic. So yes. we were like, it was our first time there. And we were like, we can, oh, like we can walk that. And it was great. I would, would totally do again if I had walking shoes on, but I fucked my ankle up for like weeks. But anyway, we get back to our hotel and it's like 5 p.m. but we're exhausted. So we went to sleep. I think it was like the first day we were in town. We woke up at midnight, but they say New York is a city that never sleeps, but that ain't the truth. It's Vegas. Mm -hmm. And we got up and we got sandwiches. And I just remember we stayed up in that casino acting fools until like six or seven in the morning. Yeah. Wow. Because you can't, I mean, they do it on purpose. Yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't when tell. you're in the casino, you can't tell. Yeah, <laughs> except for that no one else was in there and the cleaners were out, but. Yeah. <laughs> but remember when we, it wasn't this, it was the time in October when we came in and. Yeah, was that a, was. Wild. That was a, it was a Friday night and we were in the car. What was it? Like 11 or like, like midnight. One. It was like, oh, it was like at one in the morning and we're driving to the hotel and the strip was packed. It was 1 a.m. in the morning and the Mm -hmm. the people that we were in the shuttle with, they were just like, yo, it's 1 a.m. Look at it. It looks like it's like nine o'clock at night out there because there were that many people. I think like Friday night has to be 
the the busiest night because it wasn't like that. It's not like that on Saturday night, but like mm-hmm. Friday night, that's when every like it's on and popping, and then. But yeah, it, it is nuts. Do you have any more tasty titties? I do. I have. Scorsese told Sharon Stone to watch these three films before they started filming. Uh, Valley of the Dolls from 67, A Woman's Vengeance from 48, and Passion of Joan of Arc from 28. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm, I thought so. Uh, and Scorsese said there's no plot. There's lots of action. Yeah. There's a lot of a story, but there's no plot. That's how. That's why I kept waiting for the movie. I'm like, oh, this is just like preamble, and I'm like, oh no, this is just how the movie's gonna be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, those are those are indeed mine. Tini, do you have any others? Um, Martin Scorsese hired real parolees from that era, who as well as FBI agents as consultants who had worked on the, like catching them and prosecuting. Um. There also I watched on my phone and on Amazon Prime. If you watch on Prime on your phone, I was on the plane. If you watch on your phone, like Amazon Prime, like Tasty Titties pop up for it's like mm. a pop up oh. video. I can't figure out how to see it on the TV, which is weird. But so I wrote down one and then didn't stick with it. But one hour and forty seven minutes. There's a scene after so after the hearing. Remo's in his car and there's a pack of cigarettes sitting on the seat and then they're gone and then he starts saying that Ace should just keep quiet and then the cigarettes are back and that was my favorite that used to be my favorite thing to look for when I was younger was like inconsistencies with movies like oh Oh. somebody was wearing something and then in the next scene they weren't wearing it and then it flashed back again and they were that's called continuity that's the word and there's somebody that is um, supposed to be taking notes and stuff because things are filmed out of order. They didn't and... do a very good job in this movie. But like, if you make a movie, it's so hard to it's get up and with three all hours. that stuff. <clears throat> yeah. And also, like, you have to take into account the take. So you also have to take into account the like you're there on film. So the exposure of the film, the focus of the film, all of that stuff, the composition of the film. You have to take into account the actors performances and you have to take into account the sound and all of that kind of stuff. So that's why sometimes they'll a lot like when I was doing stuff, I would know like now the continuity is off. But if it you're just kind of like in the bigger picture all right, screw it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, we have to, this was the best take for other reasons. Exactly. Like superseded it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have that. So Sharon Stone, this, the only Academy Award nominee for this nominations that this film got was Sharon Stone for best actress. She was what? nominated for best actress. Yeah. Bullshit. You know, Braveheart and all these other films added on lock. So she was nominated. Braveheart is nothing compared to this. I know. It's true. It's true. Um, Emma Thompson was nominated for Sense and Sensibility. Mm-hmm. Meryl Streep for The Bridges of Madison County. <gasps> Elizabeth Shue for Leaving Las Vegas. And the winner of the Best Actress for this year was Susan Sarandon for Dead Man Walking. Yeah, I remember the dress she wore. 
So I couldn't be mad because we're no. we like Susan, Susan Sarandon. Sarandon. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. okay. Um, and now this is my final one because I thought it was so cool. You know the fabulous Las Vegas sign? Mm-hmm. That was designed by Betty Willis in 1959. Huh. Mm-hmm. It hadn't been there the whole time. No, Betty Willis designed it in 1959. It just grew out the ground. She, Betty Willis grew up in Las Vegas, and I think she went to school in Southern California. She was the only commercial artist at Yesco, which was the Young Electric Sign Company. Oh, I love it. And when we, we've been to the, I highly recommend it, the Neon Museum in Vegas. I thought of the Neon Museum you talked about. So she... At first, she designed various newspaper ads before moving to neon signs. And in addition to the fabulous Las Vegas sign that she designed, she also designed, bringing it back in together, the Moulin Rouge sign. Oh. And that is actually her handwriting. That is the Moulin Rouge. And it's it's based on another typeface. But that's right. like she hand drew wow. the sign. Mm-hmm. She also... Designed the Stardust sign. And she also did the Blue Angel Motel. Um, And she never trademarked the fabulous Las Vegas sign. That was her gift to the city. Oh, wow. Wow. So that's why you can get it on. You can put it and get it on anything because it's never been trademarked. And she was just like, wow, that's my gift to the city. That was billions of dollars. I know. I just thought it was crazy. I was like, yeah, wow, a woman designed the fabulous Las Vegas sign. And also, like, Moulin Rouge, Stardust, like, so many others. So, she's no longer with us, but good on you, Betty Willis. Yeah. The Stardust is the one that this Tangier was based on. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so... um, the the song Stardust plays three different times in the movie. Oh. Mm-hmm. I, I would hum it for you, but we know how that goes. <laughs> so I had picked a movie um, a couple weeks ago. And, and it wasn't my week, so. And then I went, no, I want to see A Woman's Vengeance. You know, that one of that Sharon Stone was supposed to watch. Oh. Only on YouTube was the only place I could find it. And YouTube does not have a decent quality when we've tried to do films. So I'm going to go back to my original pick. Do we get to guess? 1936. Holy shit. Yep. But, Christine? The Hoover Dam was done. Yeah. Might be in this. One hour and 36 minutes. You are welcome. We have, I don't know that we've ever done a film with William Powell in it. Uh, He wasn't in The Thin Man? I don't know. I do know that we have Gene Harlow in this one. Oh, a Gene Harlow film. Gene Harlow film. I see you. I see you. I'm looking up William Powell because I'm pretty sure that he was in the thin man. Well, we haven't seen a lot with William Powell, and he was big time. 
he what we have done a William Powell movie in the Thin Man. He was in the Thin Man series in Nick and Nora. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. yes. It's, it's so, because uh, okay, so I wanted him because I yeah okay. And yeah, so I like we, him. Yeah. We also have Myrna Loy. Now, is she the one that is in? Yeah, she's it's in Nora. <laughs> Is it, is isn't it, she? Isn't she in King Kong's Fist, Myrna Loy? Well, they were in fourteen films together. Myrna Loy was like, that's Nora. He's Nick, and she's Nora. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, you're welcome. It's it. It might. It might be a Nick and Nora then. I don't think it isn't a, a Nick and Nora, but also like in real life, William Powell. I think he was the one that was with. Gene Harlow when you know Gene Harlow's insides ate her alive and she died because mm-hmm. Gene Harlow died like at the height of her oh yeah career. very much like Marilyn Monroe well Gene Harlow was like Marilyn Monroe's mother loved Gene Harlow and mm-hmm. so would take a young Marilyn a, a young Norma Jean if you will mm-hmm. to the mm-hmm. movies to see Gene Harlow and because of Gene Harlow we got Marilyn Monroe mm-hmm. and then they both kind of had unfortunate demises. Well, this one we can watch on HBO Max, Apple, or Amazon Prime. And the name of it is? I don't know. I didn't want to guess because I've been, I looked, I had to look up. I was like, we've done a William Powell film. Okay. It's called Libeled Lady. Oh, I would have never guessed it. Libeled Lady. It's it's a comedy romance. I wanted, you know, I wanted a Cary Grant situation. So. I like. I, I'm excited for this. I liked. I liked. Um. Uh. William Powell and Myrna Loy in the. the, the thi- wonder if there's yeah. gonna be a dog. They're give and take, and so. so and they're very uh, boozy. I like the the very booziness, yeah. and they're and they're in their impeccable suits and. I'm sure there's going to be dead animals surrounding women's shoulders. <laughs> right. And when we did yours, the um, death one. Oh, the, yeah. Uh-huh. The murder, was it murder by death? Murder by death. Then we had the Nick and Nora type character. And <laughs> that's where this laugh. came in after that. Yes. Mm. So, listeners, it's been a while since we've been here. We've missed you. We know you've missed us. And so we have. But I I think we're off next week, too. So. Right. This is Casino. We've given them a. This is this will be a nice big episode. Yeah. I mean, you'll you'll have to listen in pieces. Mm -hmm. Sure. Somebody did ask me about how long are your episodes? (laughs) When they I had to ask. Yeah. Uh, on on normal speed or on 1.5 speed? That's what I said. There is a 1.5 speed. It just goes really fast and you don't miss a word. It just, we talk a lot faster. And so, okay. The next time we are together, we will be doing 1936's Libeled, Libeled Lady. Lady. I feel like that that's pretty much you with the James Woods. <laughs> We are the libel ladies. About James Woods. <laughs> yeah, and the 
your uncomfortableness about a I did, situation. I did, I did something very uncomfortable. I don't know why we had to bring that back up. Because we're libeled ladies. Oh, okay. Okay. So there you have it, listeners. Bye. Bye. Bye.